I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John. And today we're looking at verse uh, 1, Gospel of John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The title of our message today is Echoes of a Coming Christmas. And um, I hope it's not misleading, but it's really about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you will, the second advent. We are celebrating the first advent. We also celebrate the second advent, meaning the coming of our Lord. And the day of our coming of our Lord is really going to be the Christmas, the big Christmas, the one we've always wanted, the one we've always wanted. And uh, today is the miracle that Jesus performs at a wedding in Cana. And uh, I want to draw from that story uh, several truths that I hope will be a blessing to you. When you read the Gospel of John, you're reading on two levels. The first level you read is the narrative or the story itself and all of the details of the story. But along with that narrative is also a, another strata of meaning, and that is the spiritual uh, emphasis that John is uh, trying to communicate to us. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and uh, he is manifesting himself. Here is the first sign or the second sign that he, is, that he has performed, and that is changing the water into wine here at the... Uh, wedding feast. And uh, there's some truths there that point to the second advent, the return of Christ. And that return of Christ is our true Christmas. So we're going to tr- call these three truths here in this parable, or this story, uh, we're going to call these echoes, if you will, of a coming Christmas. I hope I've communicated that, or maybe you're just as thick as mud <laughs> in, in your mind. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And so they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And so they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cain of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Will you bow with me as we pray? Father, we're grateful for the word of God that speaks to us that uh, comes to us from those who 
were truly with our Lord Jesus Christ and those who saw and participated in this miracle at the wedding of Cana. And we pray, God, you'll bring home to us great truths of hope, truths that will bring us courage in this Christmas season to look forward to a hope that we have that's absolutely true as well. Just as these events were true, the truth of the coming of Christ again is also true. And so, Lord, bring that home to us today in a way that will bring hope and courage. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And all who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Well, one of the great truths that we're learning from this passage of Scripture is that uh, God is saving the best for last. And uh, during the course of this wedding, they ran out of wine, and that created a lot of anxiety. Uh, the first person to pick up this anxiety was Mary, Jesus' mother. And she passes that anxiety on along to Jesus and said, They've run out of wine. Do something. Fix this. And uh, Jesus says kindly to his mother, uh, What does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Why should I get involved? It's amazing how Jesus kind of waits a long time before he gets involved. He doesn't rush into things. He waits until his hour has come. You'll find in the Gospel of John several incidences where they try to, number one, take the life of Jesus, and he slips away because his hour had not yet come. There'll be other times when Jesus is late for the death of Lazarus, and he delays. And in that delay, Mary and Martha are expressing anxiety again to Jesus, saying, Lord, if you'd been here, he would not have died. And yet Jesus said, Have I not told you that he will live again? And they're thinking he's talking about the last day, the end of the age. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to show you right now what that end of the age is going to be like. And he calls out to Lazarus. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes back to life. So there are several incidences here in the Gospel of John where Jesus does not react as quickly as other people would like for him to. And that creates two things. One, it creates anxiety. And one of the reasons it creates anxiety is there's been, number two, a loss. And we're having to deal here with a loss. When this father who had saved and saved and saved for this wedding discovers that he's out of wine, it's a sad occasion. It's sad news. He did not anticipate running out of the wine, but he did run out of the wine. And so there's anxiety, and with that anxiety comes loss. And so it is we deal, too, with loss in this Advent season. Fifty-three years ago, 3rd of December, my mother died. And every Christmas, my heart and mind is recalling the good old days that Mom was alive and the good times that we had and how I miss her. But coupled with that is also the great truth that I will be with her again someday. So my sense of loss and grief 
is coupled with the hope that we will be together again someday in God's holy heaven. You ever wonder what that day is going to be like? You ever wonder what that time is going to be like? We have some word pictures in the scripture about, uh, about heaven. And uh, here they are in chapter 21 of Revelation. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. John was exiled on an island long, hundreds of miles from home and working out of the caves to break the rocks and so forth for the Caesar. And he was a long way from home. All he could see was the S-E-A, the sea that separated him from home. Home was in Ephesus. That was his hometown, his home people. And yet John grieved because he was so far from home. But in his grief, God gave to him a picture of the future. And that future is God's holy heaven. He said, I saw the new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea, S-E-A, to separate him from his family. First thing you know about heaven is that uh, heaven is like home. While you may be separated from your loved ones now, when we get to heaven, it's going to be like home. John wanted to go home, but he couldn't go there. But he had the hope that one day he would be home. And you and I have that same hope too. We will be home again with our loved ones, our friends, those who name the name of Jesus Christ. When you breathe your last on this earth and you wake up, you will wake up in God's holy heaven and the first sensation you have will be it feels like home. Home is that place that you've been looking for ever since you were a child and you left home. Some of you are looking for a better home than you grew up in. Some of you are on a journey to go back home. I know after Christmas, Lynn and I plan to go back to my home. We've got to clean out the old home place, get the cobwebs out of it, go see the Christmas lights, and recall all the good memories that we have in our childhood. But you really can't go home until you arrive in God's holy heaven. And there you will be home. We get the word home from the word hearth or fireplace. A fireplace is where you gather around and burn the embers and tell the stories of what it used to be like. And you get this feeling of being together and belonging. And it's normal for you and I to have that togetherness draw. And we want to be with loved ones. We want to be with family. We want to be included. And we want to have a hope and a future. And folks, that word home comes to reality in God's holy heaven. Here on this earth, we are on a journey. And nothing here is home. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up. Somewhere beyond the blue, etc., etc. Heaven will be home. And then he said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready like a bride adorned for a husband. Heaven's not only home, but it's holy. And whatever is holy is beautiful. And whatever is holy is God's 
holiness. Not my standard of holiness, nor your standard, nor the world's standards of holiness, but it is God's standard of holiness. And wherever there's holiness, there is absolute beauty. And wherever there's holiness, you will find God's very best. Like a bride adorned for her husband. We uh, go to weddings, he said, it's like a bride adorned for her husband. We go to weddings, we put on shoes we wouldn't wear normally. We put on clothes we wouldn't wear to Walmart. (laughs) Because we want to honor the bride and we want to save those pictures. By the way, I tell young people that are getting married, everything goes away. The, the cake goes away, the dress goes away, stored away somewhere. But what remains in your home are those photos. You think about that, those of you that are thinking about marriage, get you a good photographer and invest in that because that will be your remembrance. Your remembrance. And so heaven is God's very best for you and for me, because it's holy. Then he goes on to say, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He will dwell among them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death, no longer any mourning or crying or pain, for these first things have passed away. Heaven is also healing. Uh, no more heart attacks. So glad to see Fred Nafus back with us today. Fred, you don't look any worse for the wear, brother, let me tell you. We asked him in Sunday school this morning, how'd you like that helicopter ride? He said, I just hope there's somebody around to pay for it. <laughs> it's it's going to be expensive. But he's here, and, and what a beautiful thing. No more hospitals, no more cancer, no more heart heart surgeries. No need for stents, no need for surgery. God will be among us and there will be no tears. There will be no more separation. We will be healed completely in God's holy heaven. And I think about my mother's death. Mom died from liver disease. And when she's in God's holy heaven, because she is there, she is healed completely. And when we are together, I will not know her as an ill mom. I will know her as a healed mom. And you and your beloved will be the same way. Not only is heaven healing and holy and home, but heaven is eternally hereafter. He says there in verse 5, And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Write it down, John. These words are faithful and true. The very best part of heaven is it's really there. It's really there. Have you made preparation to be there? Christ is coming again. And you will meet the Lord in two ways. One, when you die, if he has not come yet. Or number two, Christ returns before you die. Either way, you will meet the Lord. Are you prepared? The way to be prepared is to invite Christ to come into your life and forgive you of sin and be your Lord and be your Savior. 
And there are folks out here today who have wanted to make that decision, but you've held off and you've held off and you've held off. And I want to encourage you that today is your day to give your life to the Lord. If you've not done that yet, don't let Christmas come and without having given your life to Christ. So we see here in this passage that God is saving the very best for last. Whether it be in God's holy heaven or the return of Christ, it's always God's very best. And no matter what grieving we experience as we walk through this life, God is with us not to, never to abandon us, but through the power and presence of His Holy Spirit he is with us, and He is providing for what you need in this hour. The second truth I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture is that Mary says to the servants, whatever He says do, do it. Whatever He says to do, do it. Obey Him. And when they obeyed Him, a miracle happened. Miracles are for those who obey the Lord. And that's why this was the first sign that our Lord gave when He was here, that He was actually the Christ, the Son of the living God. A miracle happened because they obeyed Him. Miracles are for those who obey. And my question to you is, are you obeying the Lord are you following another path? Are you seeking your own goals and direction? Or are you willing to say, Lord, these are my goals, these are my dreams. You take them and turn them into whatever you want them to be. When we obey the Lord, miracles, miracles happen. And then third and finally, it says those who came to the wedding were invited to come. Well, the coming of the Messiah is a wedding feast where everyone is invited. Blessed is he who is invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Bible says. All of you are invited. No one is to be left out. Uh, heaven and grace and salvation is not for a, a pre-selected few. Uh, there is a teaching out there, they call it Calvinism, that certain people were born to be saved and go to heaven and the rest were born uh, to die in, in a place called death and hell. No, all of us have been, re have been given this invitation. For by grace we've been saved through faith and not, not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I think sometimes in our outreach, we pre-qualify people not to be saved. What do I mean by that? We, we look at a person's life and we say, well, you know, they've been, they're, they're part of my family. They've been that way all their life. They'll never come to church. They'll never get saved. Why would you pre-qualify someone to be lost? When the invitation is for all, for all who will name the name of Jesus, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. All are invited to the wedding feast. Have you said yes 
to God's yes for you. When you do that, the shalom and the peace of God come over you. Linda and I attended the uh, Women of Worth and Man Up meeting at uh, the Methodist Church this past week, this past Thursday night. And uh, I'll tell you what, stalls provided the barbecue. That's some of the best barbecue I ever had, to tell you. And uh, I'm going to write a note to them this week saying, hey, thank you for donating the barbecue for the Man Up and the Women of Worth. Um, while we were there, they showed a, a clip, a movie clip, of the Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, you remember the cartoon, Charlie Brown Christmas? And Charlie Brown has this little Christmas tree, and it's hung over like that, you know. And the kids around him are, you know, it's, that's an inner voice, that inner critic. Charlie Brown, you're stupid. Charlie Brown, you're not worth anything. Charlie Brown, you're dumb. Charlie Brown, you and and we have that same inner voice. And so um, Charlie Brown just kind of, well, what is Christmas really all about? And little Linus has a blanket in one hand, and he sucks his thumb with the other hand. And he walks onto the stage, and he says, lights, please. And he quotes the gospel story, the birth of our Lord, from Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2, it says the angels spoke to the shepherds and they were so afraid and he's hanging on to this, this uh, blanket, his security blanket. And he said, the angels spoke to the shepherds and said to the shepherds, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Fear not. And if you go back and watch it, which I had to do because I missed it all these years, when the angel says, fear not, Linus drops his security blanket. And um, that just spoke volumes to me about the real meaning of Christmas. Be not afraid. You have nothing to fear. Christ is coming again. And if you believe in him and trust in him as your Savior, you have nothing to be afraid of. It's pointed that a man wants to die and after death the judgment. And for the believer, that judgment will be the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord will ask you, why should I let you into my holy heaven? And your response is going to be, I plead the cross. I plead the cross. Not my goodness, not my works, but I plead the cross. You have nothing to be afraid of. But if you've not yet given your life to Christ, you have a lot to dread coming. But you can avoid that. The good news is to give your life to Jesus. When I was nine years old, I didn't want to go to hell, and so I gave my life to Christ. That's a good reason to get started on your journey with Jesus. But it's not the only reason to continue to follow Him. Because the more you follow Christ, the greater the blessings the greater the miracles, the greater the joy that God has in store for you who want to follow Him. Some of you today may be 
here and God has moved it in your heart to unite with our church from a sister church, I pray that you'll come. Just come on and say, we, we want to be a part of Equin Baptist Church and we will receive. So come today, number one, to be saved. Come today, number two, to unite with our church from a sister church. Let's stand together in the spirit of prayer. Father, we thank you for the coming of our Lord, the second advent, the return of our Christ, our Savior, and that we have nothing to fear because you are our Savior and our Lord and you have the best waiting for us in your holy heaven. You are preparing even now a place for us. May we, Father, be in line with your will where you would have us to serve and how you would have us to serve. Pray, Lord, there'll be someone that'll come saying, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be saved. And we can pray that prayer together. Or another that will say, we want to unite, be a part of this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ephraim Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.